Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast with your host, Kat Robinson. You're listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast for vet nurses where we tell our story. I'm your host, Kat Robinson. Vet nursing can be a tough gig, and yet we absolutely love it. So when it comes to vet nurses, who are we? How do we achieve greatness? How do we cope with the more challenging parts of our job? Radio Vet Nurse is our way to start a dialogue around these questions and to create a space where we can tell our story. Each episode, you'll hear from a different vet nurse about their personal experiences in life and in vet nursing. In this episode, I catch up with a well-known vet nurse and presenter in Australia, Sue Crampton. Sue is such an accomplished person. She's the owner and founder of Crampton Consulting Group and the Animal Industries Resource Centre and, in addition to vet nursing, has a really interesting collection of qualifications, including Bachelor of Business, Diploma in Company Directorship and Masters in Neurolinguistic Programming. As one of Australia's leading veterinary educators, she's on the go both in Australia and overseas two to three weeks of every month. It's highly likely you've seen her present. I first saw Sue at a conference in 2014 and for me, it was an absolute game changer. I was almost a year into owning and operating ReadyVet and studying my Cert 4, but telling myself I was just doing the study to better manage my business. As someone who'd been to uni for almost a decade for a different career, I was trying to suppress the growing suspicion that I actually loved vet nursing. But when I watched Sue present, it really sealed the deal for me. She was speaking my language 100%, motivating and inspiring me, and I had this light bulb moment. Yep, I am a vet nurse, and I love it. It's hard to say what it is about Sue that enables her to connect with people and inspire in this way, but I think it's this. She has this ability to identify and articulate the fundamentals of our industry, chunk them down, and present them within this framework of the veterinary healthcare team, rather than this unhelpful binary of vets and nurses. It's been four years since I first enjoyed Sue's presentation at that conference, and I really enjoyed catching up again. Hi, Sue. Welcome to Radio Vet Nurse. Thanks for joining me. You're most welcome, Kat. Delighted to be here. Fantastic. I'm just going to jump straight in with a question for you. Do you listen to podcasts? And if so, what are some of your favourites? Yeah, actually, Kat, I do. Um, my favourite one at the moment is Radio Vet Nurse, ha-ha. Fantastic. Um, um, I reckon that the podcasts are definitely increasing in popularity, aren't they? Um, yeah. I really like them. Uh, probably only in the last 12 months been starting to look at, um, listen to um, podcasts and one in particular that, that has been uh, quite popular before you came along was the Vet Talk Radio. Uh, they've got quite a few good clinical and um, leadership um, podcasts there, but mm-hmm. uh, my vote is Radio Vet Nurse. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for saying that. They're just so handy to listen to if you're on the go oh, as well. Absolutely. If you're someone too that likes being productive all the time, you can be yes. doing the gardening or the housework or whatever it is. Absolutely, absolutely. So um, glad to see that you've got this up and running, Kat, and I think it's a great initiative and um, good on you for actually getting on a front foot uh, for veterinary nurses. And I was listening to uh, Joe Hatcher's podcast uh, recently, and I I really think that this adds a a new dimension to the the social media as well so that we can actually listen to some really targeted – um, conversations which from from veterinary nurses who've actually um, adding some value to our profession so really pleased to, to see this up and running cat well done 
Thank you. Thank you very much, Sue. That's, um, that's a great compliment coming from you. So I'll just shoot off to my next question. Where are you from and where do you currently live? All right, so Kat, that's interesting. That's um, originally I'm from um, England, from Bedford in the UK, and mm-hmm. I graduated. And I guess this um, tells my vintage. I graduated in 1979, yeah. um, and in that year they, they were called Ranas, which is a registered animal nursing auxiliary. Um, I travelled the world working um, as a veterinary nurse um, in the US and uh, working as a tech for about a year. I, I moved to Australia just to sort of backpack around really um, and then I started to sort of travel around the world and do you know what Kat I came back to Australia because I really loved it mm. I'm settled um, now in Brisbane and I live in Samford which is a a, a really beautiful um, place just north of Brisbane um, so I, I live there on a, on a property with about um, it's about three acres and, and it's just heaven on a stick. Yeah, absolutely. That does sound like heaven on a stick. Often if Matt and I talk about going back to Brisbane, we dream about living out your way. So (laughs) trust me, I know how lovely it is out there. There you go. And when you first started off as a Rana in the UK, how did you get your foot in the door with vet nursing? Yeah, that was an interesting question. Um, And I thought about this. um, After I left school, I was determined to be a veterinary nurse can and I I wanted to work with animals. So um, I started actually working as a kennel hand um, and in those days it was called a kennel maid gosh oh, so wow. I was called a kennel hand so I was a kennel hand and I worked in boarding kennels um, and I left home when I was like 16 and um, went and worked in some boarding kennels just um, up in the country of England um, and I just realized then that just looking after the the pets I just thought this is me, this is definitely me. So I decided then I wanted to be um, a veterinary nurse and my mum drove me around the clinics in in the countryside around where I lived and I dropped resumes off and I just kept trying to talk to people about what it was like to be a veterinary nurse and I finally got a job as a trainee vet nurse in a a place just north of where I lived in a place called Kettering Um, and it was a small animal um, clinic and I got a job there as a living role, um, and it's still to this day this occurs where, as a veterinary nurse, you live often, not always, often live on the premises. Mm-hmm. So I um, moved in there as a trainee, and I um, worked with two qualified veterinary nurses or runners in those days, Cindy and Alison. And um, gosh, that was the start of my career, Kat, and I never looked back. That sounds really fun, living in with a couple of housemates and looking after any animals that are in the clinic overnight and everything I imagine or any emergencies that come in. Yeah, absolutely. So that was our that was our job is that we're we're on call um, in in the evening. So it was on a roster basis. So there, what happens then? Uh, there is obviously a veterinarian on call, cat, but we uh, we would initially take the phone calls and triage the phone and um, just sort of decide, you know, who to do what with and call mm. the veterinarian in. And um, then after the veterinarian had gone, um, you know, obviously 
case-specific. We would look after the cases thereafter. Um, so, yeah, I, I learned a lot. Uh, I learned I learned, learned a lot in those early days. Yeah. yeah, for sure. As somebody who lives with a vet who's on call all the time, my husband, I see such value in this mm. model because sometimes if Matt's had a really big week and he's exhausted, I'll take the after-hours phone and I will screen the after-hours calls. And I think I probably only need to speak to him for one in five calls. There you go. And I think that that could really provide some relief for some of our rural vets who are on call and who don't have a 24-hour emergency centre to refer to because a lot of the time you're just saying, oh, yeah, that doesn't sound too bad. One vomit, call me again in an hour, you know, or what do the gums look like? Are we, are we still exactly. pretty happy? What's the demeanour like? So I think that that's a great model that we could think about yeah, bringing into Kat. Australia for some regional vets. Couldn't agree with you more. Couldn't agree with you more. And I guess, it, it, you know, coupled with that, um, a lot of the regional vets and um, are actually having um, more and more nurses in taking them on on calls with them um, Mm. so they actually can really get that um, understanding of what actually to triage and get get to know the clients as well Mm. get to know the clients needs that 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 do to call the the clinic yeah well said Kat I agree with you yeah absolutely now I think this next question might have multiple answers because I know you're very busy and and you're really involved in a lot of excellent businesses but where do you work and can you describe your role and what you do from day to day yeah, I, I can, Kat. I guess there's four, yeah, four categories um, to this question um, that I'd like to to sort of put forward. And the f- the first one is I work, um, as you know, I run a veterinary nurse um, registered training organisation, the Animal Industries Resource Centre, mm-hmm. um, and we started that. My husband and I started that um, way back in 1996, mm. um, and and that's really. Uh, that, I thought about this long and hard, Kat, and and it's interesting because this involves me travelling a lot, so I actually don't have a day-to-day routine. Mm. So I, I work a lot, obviously, in Australia. Um, we've also got students in Dubai and Hong Kong and Singapore and Malaysia and Taiwan and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I guess that's where I, that's one category that I I work in. Um, Second category that I work in is we run, um, and again, as you know, it's the Crampton Consulting Group, and there we work in a variety of businesses and practices, and we get to work with some really neat people. So, for example, we work closely with the VNCA, we work closely with the AVA, the New Zealand Veterinary Association and New Zealand Veterinary Nursing Association, uh, the Malaysian Associations, the Singapore Associations. And we do a lot of, interestingly enough, a lot of strategic planning and communication with those organisations, which I'm very passionate about, CAC, because I like to see that we are actually advancing as a animal healthcare team on the same page. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you work or what country you work in. Um, we are all one team, as you and I both agree. And I guess within um, that Crampton Consulting Group, we we do some really neat stuff like working with teams, um, like looking at leadership of nurses who are coming through the ranks and are becoming senior nurses or mm. practice managers, do a lot of te- uh, technical veterinary nurse training, customer service, many, 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 many areas, Kat, and mm. uh, really inspires me to, to see people succeed. I think 
My favourite um, also is keeping my hand in actually working as a veterinary nurse. So I'm still very connected with the Sanford Valley Veterinary Hospital here mm-hmm. in Sanford. Mm-hmm. Um I'm a part of their management team and I do try to do um, a couple of shifts every every month if I can just to keep my hand in and that that really I just love going back to basics Kat just mm. love it mm. so I, th- I hope that's answered your question. I, I'm so impressed that you're still vet nursing um, at the Sanford Valley Vet Hospital but it is really important as you say yeah. because I've I've taken, I guess, a step back in my business to being more of a general manager, but it's still really important to me to be able to step in and guide the team. And that's Mm. why I try and be really involved too in reading up on all of the medical notes because Matt um, dictates them, the girls transcribe them and I check them. But I want to know what's happening with all the cases and I want to go in there a couple of days a week and just keep my ear out to what's happening on the phones and what's happening on the floor and I guess you can't um, do do all of these things where you're looking at how do teams work together and how do we um, make strategic planning goals for a business if you're not actually on the ground saying what are the challenges that are thrown up on a day-to-day basis and um, how do we how do we best attack those that is so true Kat it's so true you know you've you know from my perspective it's you know once a vet nurse always a vet nurse and just taking Mm. that time to to understand you know the the successes and challenges in the practice makes a massive difference and Mm. I guess as I've got older um, you know I can walk into a clinic and the first thing I always do is go and see like what have you got in let me go and talk to them Um, Mm -hmm. and just that connection with their with the pets whether it be mm. horses dogs or cats or whatever it is it's it just is so um yeah it's just so rewarding so rewarding mm. that's right you you never get um you never get beyond that and another nurse that I've interviewed recently for another episode of this show she's she's a rep now but she's the same she'll go to all of the clinics that she visits and the first question has nothing to do with the product that she's <laughs> a rep for it's what have you got in what have you been seeing have you had any cesareans you know how many puppies it's just um you just can't really shake it I think <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So on a day-to-day basis, Kat, I I guess, you know, I'm lucky and blessed I can see Mm. what – I can walk into many clinics and, you you know, you get to see and learn so much from those people. Um, Mm. So for me, it's really hard to define what I do on a day-to-day basis because I do travel about – two to three weeks a month Um, and yeah so it's the part of the job I love. I've noticed that you're traveling a lot because I've we've been emailing back and forth to tee this interview up and Mm. most of the time when I email you I get an auto reply saying that you're on the ground training somewhere and I just think wow (laughs) on the go again because I spent um, I spent 10 years as a professional musician and in the last three years of that 10 years and I was based in Brisbane, I travelled nearly every weekend and it can get really exhausting. So I'm really impressed that that you do. I'm particularly impressed, uh, sorry, particularly interested in when you say that AIRC is um, you're off to Dubai and Hong Kong and Malaysia, Mm. are the training um, programs similar in those countries? Yes, 
Yeah. Yes, Kat. So, for example, um, in Dubai, um, definitely we just use exactly the same training model. Um, and there's some amazing people there that that, that we're training and, and working mm. with. Um, a lot of them are actually, um, to be honest with you, are, are veterinarians from places like the Philippines or Borneo or um, Malaysia, etc. Mm-hmm. And they go over um, to these other countries to uh, develop their careers or um, actually get get an income to to support their family um, mm-hmm. which is is interesting um, very smart people just really want to just really want to learn cat it's yeah. um, it's great we're just in the um, next month oh no actually this month we're actually going up to Singapore um, and we're taking a couple of our staff and we're running um, a, a workshop a trainer trainer workshop for um uh, veterinary nurses from various practices from Taiwan, Korea, um, I'm trying to think, Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, um, who are going back to their practices to actually support their um, the development of nurses in their, their clinics. And oh, Kat, right. that is so rewarding, yeah. so rewarding. For me, learning that the skills are transferable across a lot of these countries, I think it's great to keep in mind if, if you're a vet nurse and you're wanting to travel. I mean, whether mm-hmm. that be you're a vet nurse in Hong Kong and you want to travel in Australia or an Australian vet nurse who would like to pop over to Dubai, it's great to know that the skills are transferable um, because I think it's a job that um, really does allow great opportunities for travel. Absolutely, and I see um, that many nurses, Kat, and I'm sure you've um, discovered this along the way, that they actually go off to um, somewhere like South Africa or Africa and actually work on some you know, lion parks or mm. wildlife parks, and it, it's so rewarding. One of the mm. ladies that works with us, Taylor, she um, that's how we actually, she was a student through us, and she was really inspired by working with this particular lion park, and gosh, Kat, she's added so much value to our team and and her attitude to travel and diversity and um, it's amazing to see. Yeah, I, I would really encourage a lot of um, vet nurses who are thinking about doing that to, to look into it because we live in an age now where you can do all your research online and you're not just flying blind into another country. You know, you can have a look at reviews or um, yes. other people's experiences, follow people on Instagram. So um, that's that's great to know. And it may be difficult for you to narrow this down, Sue, but what is the best part of your job? Well, I've got a couple of things there, um, Kat, actually, is like meeting a variety of people and I guess summing up what we were just talking about, people in different roles, different styles, different cultures and the travel. Um, and for for me personally, is seeing the people I work with um, and people uh, in practice and people in all walks of life succeed and develop and achieve um, what they want to achieve because success is different for so many people or for mm. all of us isn't it Kat really it is. um, and for, ha- for them to have passion and um, and develop um, and add value to both patients and, and the clients mm-hmm. and as I said before we've got a lot of um, a lot of the people I'd, I work with or work alongside um, are speaking overseas now in places like Singapore, Hong Kong, New Zealand and Dubai and it's just so rewarding Um, and I think finally Kat to sum that up is seeing that the profession is actually advancing Mm. and developing and the best part of my job is that 
I'm so lucky to be able to support people to be the best they can be um, and working with vets and nurses alike. Um, that's the best part of my job. Absolutely. And when you talk about the profession advancing, when I was at the VNCA conference in Melbourne in 2015, I do recall seeing you get up onto the stage on the first day as part of a group of people who I believe were the founding members. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct, actually. That is correct. Um, We started uh, VNCA in 1995 and Um, Yes, absolutely, Kat. There was a whole group of people, very specific. Um, I I can't name them all, but from Victoria and Queensland and um, between us, yes, we founded the VNCA um, in 1995 and um, it's gone from strength to strength. It really has. I love the VNCA and it's so impressive and it must have been a busy time in your life because was was the AIRC founded around the same time? Yes. Yeah. Yes, in 1996, yes. You were busy. Yes, Kat, but it's all relevant, isn't it? It is, it is. Now, um, what is your routine when you wake up in the morning, Sue? How do you set yourself up for a winning day? Good, good question. So, um, put the kettle on. Um, mm-hmm. I've got horses, so um, at the moment I say I've got horses. I um, did did have a horse. Now I just have horses that are just on the property because I, tra- I travel quite a lot, as you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I go up and give the horses a cuddle, a carrot, and and um, you know take the rugs off and just just generally hang out with the horses. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to kookaburras because where we are, cat. It's full of wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, if I'm away, if I'm traveling, make sure that I ring my beloved husband and mm-hmm. get a cup of tea and listen to the morning news. Mm. That's my routine. It's really simple but but perfect. And, and it's quite a consistent theme that I'm hearing with people that I'm speaking to. Oh, and it's the same for me, yeah, but except for mine's a coffee and the radio. and um, But, yeah, invariably it seems to be a cup of tea, um, coffee, loved ones, and um, just letting the day roll on in, in a relaxing kind of way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm um, not surprised that you're with the animals first thing either. Oh, absolutely, cat. Of course, of course, of course. And there's nothing like watching a horse eat, being yeah. around a horse and just, oh, it's heaven. And the smell. Oh, the smell. It's heaven. It's, it's heaven. It's the best, yeah. It's the best. Now, what weekly or daily habit makes your life better? Yeah, I liked this question. Um, I'm a real... Um, I just love getting flowers every week and my husband is very Mm. sweet. He buys me flowers every week (laughs) or if he doesn't, I buy them for myself. Mm. Um, I always have candles. People around me laugh. Um, If they ask me what it is that makes me happy, I'll go flowers, candles and a really nice glass of stunning white wine. (laughs) Um, People make fun of me about that. Um, Obviously, hanging out with my husband, Mark, and my family and friends and Mm -hmm. I see my lovely mum, um, every week she lives just the other side of Brisbane oh great so yeah I make her she's elderly yeah I make a, a habit of going to see her every week and um, my husband and I like walking so up, mm-hmm. just up behind us there's a, a beautiful place called Mount Glorious it's a stunning rainforest um, not dissimilar to where you live really cat so we we try to go for a walk up there every week mm. um, yeah once a week just to hang out in in uh, the the rainforest it's beautiful it does something for you doesn't it just uh, seeing all of the green and hearing all of the noises i find uh, it really grounding oh and the, the sunlight coming through the trees mm. it's something um very special about that mm. 
it's always so nice and cool in there even in summer a lot of the um swimming holes we have up here you've got to trek through the rainforest to get to and on a really hot day you're just thinking oh i want to swim and then you get deep into the rainforest and you're like oh i'm a bit cold (laughs) i don't know if i want to swim (laughs) it's just yeah it's we are so lucky in australia aren't we we have um the the best parts of the world um Mm -hmm. right on our doorstep we are Mm. lucky very lucky and how long has your mum lived in Australia? She's been here about seven years now. Um, she came over and she lives in a retirement village. And, um, yeah, she always she's always interested in what I do as a veterinary nurse. And mm. um, she we always chat about when she used to drive me around, as I said before. <laughs> we always have a bit of a chat about it. So she always asks me what I'm doing. Yeah. Bless her. Mm, that's, that's great. I don't know what it is about fresh flowers, but I'm the same. I just get myself a bunch from the supermarket every every um, Saturday or Sunday. But it makes me really happy all week mm. just seeing them there on the dining table. Um, and, and also a stunning glass of white wine makes me happy too. So <laughs> I feel that we could um, qu- quite happily sit on your veranda or mine and just look at our flowers and have a glass of white wine very happily, Sue. <laughs> well, hopefully you're coming down to the VNCA um, in Brisbane next, next year. Definitely. So. We'll see you and we can do that, Kat, for sure. That is a date. That sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Sue, can you tell me about a time when you were able to turn defeat into victory? And this could be in a personal or professional capacity. Yeah, I'll stay on the vet nursing um, line. Um, When I was actually undertaking my veterinary nursing exams, Kat, I actually um, was obviously going through the Royal Veterinary College and um, I failed um, my exams in you know twice in a row. So I'd get through yeah. my exams and then have to do a practical and I was unable to, for some reason, get through those practicals and I was told that... Um, if I failed a third time, I couldn't be a veterinary nurse and that just literally gutted me um, mm. and that made me even more determined um, to be a veterinary nurse. So I pushed through um, and my college that I was working with at the time um, really helped me. I did pass um, and as a result of that passing a third time, my mantra was, well, I know three times more than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and uh, I pledged that from that day on, I would um, really work uh, to support other veterinary nurses to mm. um, to study and succeed and believe in themselves. Mm. Um, because at that stage, Kat, I, I probably would have said I wasn't a particularly academic person mm-hmm. um, and I'm a very practical person. And certainly when I um, talk to colleagues and veterinary nurse students now, very much on the focus of, like, I, guys, I, I, I get how hard it is to sometimes fit everything into a working life and mm. with all the social media and all the pressures on us these days. Um, and just that self-belief and pushing through. Um, mm. Yeah, so that, that that really helped me, Kat, turning that defeat into victory. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's taking something away from it. Thank goodness you pushed on and passed because I don't know what our profession would be without you and all of the, the things that you've contributed, like co- co-founding the VNCA and starting up AIRC and Crampton Consulting. And I think on the third time too, human nature would probably have it that it would be tempting to to just pull out and say I'm not going to do it because we like to say oh no we decided we didn't want to do something rather mm, than saying true. well we failed at something and I see it I see it unfortunately sometimes with um, vet nursing students who they kind of 
get off track a bit. They get a bit behind and they feel like, oh, I'm going to run out of time. So I'm better just to decide I'm not interested in this anymore. Um, And I find it really hard because I can see that they're all in in the beginning and they're really passionate about um, becoming a vet nurse. But it it does get tough. It's a tough um, qualification. And um, I think it's really important to have that support to push on through. um, And what better of of a person to offer that support than somebody who knows some people do need to learn things in a different way. Some people do need um, a little bit more guidance or, or like you said, you're more of a practical person and um, people that I went to school with who were probably as intelligent as or more intelligent than me, if they couldn't write essays, then they didn't do as well as me at school. And it's all about the way we're assessed, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Kat, and I, absolutely, and that's, I think, as you as you know, with what we do, it's just having that um, different um, aspects of the assessment. So it's not just you know written. Um, and reading but coming into the practice and actually testing and assessing people practically makes such a big difference mm-hmm. um, yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of that and certainly that's what we did in the UK that's what they do in the states um, it, it really does uh, make a big difference yeah yeah absolutely and um, so this might be a good time for us to take a quick break so um, are you happy to to come back shortly yes absolutely fantastic Support for Radio Vet Nurse comes from you, if you like. So far, two corporate sponsors, ReadyVet and the Animal Industries Resource Centre, have kindly helped cover some of the costs of these free episodes. You can help too by scoring yourself some eco-friendly and oh-so-chic Radio Vet Nurse merch. Head to my website, radiovetnurse.com, and check out my glass-reusable coffee keep cup, which you can take to your favourite cafe and save the need for single-use paper cups. Continuing in the theme of eco-friendly receptacles for vet nurse fuel, I've also got a lightweight, shatter-resistant glass water bottle. All with Radio Vet Nurse logo, so we know we're in the club. Wink, wink. That's all. Carry on. Welcome back, Sue. I just wanted to ask, what advice would you give to someone about to enter the world of vet nursing? Good question, Kat. Good question. There's a few layers here that I would really like to to get across is that I think the first one is um, focus. I'd just be really focused and committed and it that really jumps off what we were talking about before. Just um, know what it is that you want to do, set your goals in place for that. Um, I'm pretty goal-orientated, Kat, and I think that's mm-hmm. actually helped me immensely in my career um, in saying, right, I want to be a veterinary nurse. I couldn't get through that exam, those first and second exam. Like, I really want to be a veterinary nurse, so I'm going to absolutely give it everything I, I can. Um, so that focus and that commitment is really important and that self-belief, um, knowing that and believing that you you can do it. Um, other thing I, I really believe is that somebody told me this years ago, a, a colleague of mine, um, Joe Best, who I used to work with at ProVet, said, always listen, look and learn. And that for me was just such a critical aspect. And I often say that now, listen to what's going on around you, mm. look at what's going on around you and learn. Um, and just by watching others, I still learn today from watching others um, get involved get involved in the VNCA, 
get involved in your organisation, mm-hmm. get involved in a community, um, you know, get involved in a million pause walk and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. just get involved around your community and within the practice. Mm-hmm. The thing, Kat, and you and I were chatting about that, this the other day is um, respect. I think the respect that you need to show both yourself um, and your employer, your your vets, your mm. team, the pets and the client. The clients is something that I've really learnt um, that is just so fundamental in, in our lives, in our personal life, but absolutely 101 in the practice. Mm. Um, and just seeing how the dynamics in a practice can work or not work mm. um, and how the dynamics between nurses and vets can work or not work Mm. um that respect cat um is just so critical Mm. and as we as we learn um and as we go through our studies to discuss it with your vet build rapport with your veterinarian Mm. and agree on the systems because there's so many different ways of doing things um and i yeah so it just comes back to respect Yes. In my opinion. Yeah. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. And I was actually having a look um, last night. We've recently um, employed, as you know, Sue, two juniors. Mm. And because we're a busy practice and sometimes the senior nurses are quite busy, we got the ProSkills membership through you guys so that we can oh, pop the juniors in front of um, of a course just to watch a video together if it's, if it's really busy and just teach them the basics so that the girls can jump in and teach them that higher level or or things that are more specific to us. So, okay, mm. now that you know this is client communication 101, well, when when we do it, here's the, here are the things that are particular to us. And I was having a look in the back end of, of it last night and having a look at um, at some of the courses and one of the courses that was on there was how to do a – I was looking at the management ones, how to do a staff appraisal and how it's like a two-way street. And I think it's a really important opportunity to build that respect for um, the vets to sit down and say to the nurses, what do you need from us? And for the nurses to hear from the vets what what they need um, as well so, so that everybody can have what they need and so that perhaps that the nurses know if they want the vets to be taking that extra time to let them be putting the catheters in or doing whatever, um, then the vets also need them to be doing this. And we're two groups of people, vets and nurses, that are coming from from very different experiences, both in our education and, and also in, in what we're doing in clinic. So to find that middle ground and to communicate with each other about what do you need for me to demonstrate respect to you um, and how can you demonstrate respect to me? And then when you have those trench days and those crazy days and emergencies, you've got that foundational level of respect and understanding of one another. And I think that that is really important. Oh, well said, Kat. That that is so true. And, you know, one of the things that we do and in, in practice now, and we were just at, actually at our practice management school last week working with, um, you know, a bunch of uh, senior nurses, practice managers and uh, practice owners, really focusing on the values and the dynamics in, in the practice. And one of those core values that people find a really um, essential is respect. Mm. Um, and how do we best communicate with each other and 
ultimately, you know, the dynamics of the practice, it's, it's, the, it's one of our biggest assets. Um, mm. You can have a really great culture um, that really does drive um, productivity and patient care and mm. client care, um, or you can have, you know, a really um, challenging dynamic which mm. can really, um, un, you know, undermine everything that you're trying to achieve. So, mm-hmm. For me, having some clear values in place, core mm. values in a practice, making sure that um, you work on emotional intelligence and communication mm. and resilience and all those things is so key. Yes. Um, and as you know, you know, we, um, I work in Sanford Valley Veterinary Hospital um, and just... Only last week, um, we ran an emotional intelligence and communication workshop for people yet again. We do it every year. Um, mm. We just ran one again um, because we've got you know equine clients and small animal clients and uh, we've got some recent graduates and just continuing to, to support them um, to develop their skills in this area so that they can be the best they can be and manage some of these challenges that that you know come upon them but yeah absolutely cat just that respect Mm. 101 we're not mind readers either so I always find it um, really enlightening when I sit and read we do six monthly self-appraisals where we give the paperwork to the staff member and they go away and they fill out um, closed and open um, answers to questions that we put to them and sometimes it's really surprising that oh this person feels like they're not getting respected because this is happening and this is really easy to change and we would have had no clue that this was in any way disrespectful but to this person that it is so I think it's really important to not just assume that the people around us can read our minds and to really really work at that communication and putting it out there and I think just just bouncing off what you just said there with the performance appraisals or interviews um it is really important to build into those um that that them that everybody must align um to the values of the practice so that Mm. should be built into their job descriptions and built Mm. into their reviews because we often can um assess people's uh technical and clinical competencies Mm -hmm. but we're not taking time to look at their behavioral competencies so Mm -hmm. things such as you know respect and you know alignment with the values and punctuality and Mm -hmm. you know open communication um and that that makes a massive difference to as, as we've just said patient and client care yeah definitely and just going back to also what you said about listen look and learn that mantra that has stayed with you Mm. I'm really feeling that right now because just from doing a couple of episodes of Radio Vet Nurse I find that just in listening to other nurses I'm taking something away from every episode and I've decided I will try and implement something with every episode so after Rebecca Gypsy Vet Nurse we got a bear hugger um, and after hearing um, the amazing Joe Hatcher in episode so two, we're going to overhaul our cat handling um, practices to try and implement some of these minimal stress handling, band the scruff right. sort of things and in- increasing use of medications. So I really think, yeah, listening to people and learning from what people have to say is is great advice to, to anyone about to enter the world yeah. of vet nursing. Good. Excellent. And uh, in a in a similar sort of um, similar sort of themed question, what advice would you give to someone who's studying vet nursing but struggling a bit with their studies? Yeah, again, Kat, like bouncing back off what we just said before is, um, you know, that self-belief and that listen, look and learn. And I guess for me, it's um, 
asking for support and seeking a mentor or someone that you really mm. trust. Um, and my probably my my biggest comment here is that if you are someone that someone is approaching for to be a mentor, um, actually show them some compassion and kindness. Mm. Um, and that word kindness, and it goes back to the culture we were just talking about before, it doesn't cost anything, Kat, just mm. to show someone a little bit of kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly within... Um, you know, our, our veterinary nursing school, we, we do everything we can to show people that, that compassion and kindness. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. And I think Jo mentioned that too when I asked her this question. She had an answer that struck me as very compassionate because she started off just by saying, acknowledge that it's difficult. It, mm. What you're doing is tough. And yes. um, and I think that that's, that's really important. And if you're someone who is being approached to be a mentor, it's tempting to think, oh, I'm already so busy. I've already got more on my plate that I can handle. But I think you'd be surprised how little is required of you in some instances. As yes. you said, just that kindness and that compassion. I mean, they're not necessarily asking you to you know, work for an hour a week marking their essays or anything like that. They just need somebody to to give them that boost and to to give them that guidance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it comes down to the um, be kind to yourself as well. Like just as mm. Joe said, just acknowledge that it is challenging, and it's you know it's it's your journey. It's the journey um, that you've um, you've elected to take, and just give be be kind because sometimes you can't physically get things done. Yeah, you can't emotionally get things done. So just being kind to yourself as well, and um, just asking for support and I I've done a law degree and I found the certificate for in vet nursing hard Did <laughs> you know you? I start yeah and I started out thinking this is easy but I mean maths and science have never been um, my strong points so I think that may have contributed to it but yeah I started off going well this will be easy I'll just you know knock this out and then I was like Matt can you please ch- talk through <laughs> some of these <laughs> concepts with me and he was he was my mentor I guess which was invaluable to me Oh, well, yes, I I can. Yeah, lucky you having someone like Matt that can support you as a mentor, Kat. That's um, ideal. Ideal. Yes, absolutely. Now, Sue, are there any bad or old recommendations that you hear as a vet nurse, whether from colleagues or clients that you think should be replaced with more useful information? Yes, I I do. I have two points, and Kat, I, I again, I think between you and I, we can bounce off each other here, and um, I, I'm, I'm I know that we're aligned in our thinking here. My first one, uh, my first comment here is that uh, many people say that veterinary nurses in the UK or the US are better than us. Um, I don't believe that's the the truth at all, Kat. Um, mm-hmm. We in Australia are as good as as those other veterinary nurses mm-hmm. um, I think we have to just remember that those organizations um, and the uh, the profession overall has been much longer uh, has been established yeah. uh, for a much longer time than than here mm-hmm. um, I, I really believe that we as veterinary nurses here um, in Australia just need to um, hold our heads up and just make sure that we do we can present and facilitate and lecture and work um, in exactly the same um, capacity of of people in other countries. So that's one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, The second one, Kat, is that, you know, I I feel that... a lot of nurses say, like, my vet just won't let me do things. Mm. Um, and I I believe, I have a strong belief that we as veterinary nurses, we need to earn the right. Um, we need to prove 
um, ourselves. We need to apply what we do with, it's not what we do, Kat, it's why we're doing it and understanding that. So we yeah. can work and know, we do know what to do, but we need to understand why we're doing it. Mm. So that confidence and that competency. Um, so I don't think we should say that the vets won't let us do it. Mm. Um, I think we need to go like, what is it I can do? How can I add value to this healthcare team? Um, and I need to know what I'm doing and why so I can add value. Mm, um, mm. Let's not do any, um, in inverted commas, like vet bashing. It, mm. we, need to, we need to earn the right. I'd be keen to hear your point of view on that, Kat, as well. I'm really passionate about this as well, particularly being married to a vet and, and also understand, understanding, I guess because I own my own practice with Matt as well, and I'm really I'm I'm really concerned for patient um, outcomes, and I think sometimes as a nurse you think, okay, I know X, Y, and Z. I therefore um, understand what to do in in this situation. But sometimes I think if you don't fully know the why, you might not mm. understand that. Yes, we do. We perform this treatment or this procedure in all of these situations unless there is a contraindication and and you don't know that unless you fully understand the why yes. and you you don't really know how to confidently stay within those boundaries unless you are part of a respectful team where you do feel confident in going to the vet and just saying hey this case is just slightly different um do I do the same thing here or just respecting that the vet has yes. said something that seems amiss and you don't immediately think oh well he's said to administer this drug this must be a mistake or he's said this many drops per second this must be a mistake you know don't assume that um if you have that bottom baseline level of respect for the vet you'll understand okay there must be something different about this case um and if you're interested you can go and ask why did we do something slightly different in this case so i think sometimes that hang up um or like the culture of, of of this um this questioning or this being at odds with one another might filter down into Australian vet nursing culture. And I really don't want us to inherit any of that negativity that we might be hearing um, because I just think that there's no room for it. Like as a collective, we can be greater than the sum of our parts. But if we're all just um, free radicals going off on our own, um, you know, on our own track on how we're going to treat a patient, then it's just no good for the client. It's no good for us. It's no good for the vet. It's no good for the patient. So I really hope we don't adopt those subtleties in our language of what we're saying of if you see your vet do this make sure you you know question that or don't let them do this like I just hate that I agree Kat and I think that the key here um, and hence with the VNCA dealing um, developing the code of conduct is I just never overstep that mark of professionalism Mm. Um, Mm. it comes down to that communication is get to know your vets so I can honestly proudly say that um, like you Kat I've never overstepped or not to mm. my knowledge overstepped the the mark of of that professionalism and, un, and relating um, and understanding which vet wants what um, each vet is going to be different mm. um, I do have skills um, many of us do have skills that we can we can absolutely support the veterinarian but we just need to understand who does what when and how and get to know that system 
the skills that we learn as veterinary nurses certainly add add so much value to the veterinarian's work mm. um, and and as, as you've just so eloquently put it Kat we just need to get a really clear understanding about who's doing what why and when so that we can work as part of that of that um, and one you know one one team yeah We're just the one team so really based on that I think from nurses um you, you're dead right we just need to make sure that we don't become our worst enemy mm. and for us to set up a development plan and our own career plan um and get to know our you know our own style and take some responsibility and accountability on how we actually um hold ourselves carry ourselves and mm. implement our profession and um professionalism and i do believe that's one of the reasons i've got to where i have today and and why I enjoy the profession so much is that uh, that respect I have for, mm. for the veterinarian is um, is up utmost in my in my mind absolutely and I'm so with you on that and I, I think that the you've identified the ways that the onus is on um, vet nurses but I think the onus is also on business owners to mm. let nurses in a little bit more on um, the realities of of the business side of things too because Good point. With vet nurses, it's we're obviously in this career because we love animals and we want the best outcome for the animals, but we also have relationships with the clients and we want the best for the clients. And it's easy for a vet nurse to say, why does it cost this much for the owner when, I mean, they, they may not understand that the pressure that an associate vet is under to bill appropriately as well for the owner yes. to cover their salary and to cover the vet nurse's salary. And I know Matt, when he was a new grad vet, he was quite upset um, in his early months out because some vet nurses said to him, why have you made it cost X? Like they wanted it to cost less for the client. And it really upset him because he was trying to do right for his boss. And it's really important that vets bill appropriately. And I think that those nurses just probably needed to be educated a little bit more by the owner of this is I I know you see the end of day takings but maybe you should look at what the monthly drug bill is and maybe I need to show you what the superannuation costs on top of your wage on top of the tax um, and the rent and the consumables so I think that the onus can be also on the practice owners to sort of say look this is what your um, your vet is dealing with this is why we're doing x or this is why we're doing y or this is why we can't um, give this owner credit or this is why we did amputate and we didn't place um, but these are all conversations that are happening behind closed doors between the vet and the owner and you just have to trust it you know yeah I, I couldn't agree with that more Kat. I think that's a very good statement in that um, as I said last week we were just with our practice management school and there was 20 veterinarians that we were working with on actually setting a direction for their practice so that they could actually say to all of their team like we you know we want to be a sustainable business. We want to make sure um, that we can continue to offer value to, you know, whether it be the clients and the patients and the team. Um, and, you know, for us to do that, this is what it actually costs us to run the business. Mm. So for us to offer really good um high-quality standards of care, um, you know, we have to actually have some systems in place. We actually need to have everybody understand, Kat, exactly mm. what you said, that everybody pays a part on 
um, in that. Everybody plays a part in that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's uh, well said. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more. Thank you. And, and I, I really agree with you on the whole that, um, that, that respect and working together as a team will, at the end of the day, help everyone. It will help those nurses who, who are concerned that their vet is not letting them do anything. Um, and it will help vets who are perhaps not having um, a great experience at work because they do feel like they're on opposite teams with their nurses. So just just that respect and um, communication, tap, tapping back into previous answers as well to other questions, I think. So um, this is also something I, I think that we're both really passionate about, Sue. In what ways do you look after your mental well-being and prevent compassion fatigue? Well, that's a good question because um, I've had the fortune of working alongside the, the lovely, uh, wonderful Rosie Overfield. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, she's given me many techniques along along my career after working with her for 14 years, alongside her with f- for 14 years. Wow. For me, um, cat, candles, flowers, walking, <laughs> horses, husband, friends, family, um, yoga, Pilates, massage. Um, yeah you know, rest and relax. And I'm yeah. as, as hard and fast as I work, I'm a really good relaxer. Yes. <laughs> I'm a really good relaxer. <laughs> work hard, relax hard. Yeah. And these are all really tactile things you're mentioning, like things that you can touch and smell, yes. like the horses and the flowers. Yes. And yeah, I think that, yes. um, that they're, all, they're all things that I really enjoy too. And I agree, work hard, but then make sure you schedule some time to switch the phone off and be outside in nature and spoil yourself with that massage or with that glass of wine or whatever it is that makes you um, just chill. Just switch off. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's so many, um, Kat, there's so many good tools and resources out there these days as well. Um, mm. uh, as you know, Rosie's got her mind pod mm. and there's many aspects around that, um, you know, many different um, um, as- you know, resources that you can tap into that really does support. So um, it, it's something that we as nurses, um, yeah, need to build into our career plans. It definitely, it just has to to all be um, part of the everyday considerations and to be used, I think, as a preventative rather than a, you know, oh, all of a sudden I don't feel like going to work um, because I think that those things aren't as useful um, in treating things in a, in a reactive way. We just need to incorporate them in an everyday, every week kind of, kind of way. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I know that you have so many projects on the go and you're travelling a lot. If you feel feel overwhelmed about life or work, what do you do? Pretty well what I just said before. You know, I, I just um, – I'm very self-aware. Kat, I've worked a lot on myself in terms of self-development. Um, I've mm-hmm. studied um, neurolinguistic programming. Um, I've got a master's in that, actually. Um, and mm-hmm. I've really trained myself to go, all right, so let's let me just – be kind to myself, as we said before. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just take some self-reflection here. And if I get overwhelmed, like what purpose is mm-hmm. this serving me? And I'm able mm-hmm. to sort of really chunk it down and go, right, I can't get all this done in one day. Let me just start with point one, two, three. What? Mm-hmm. Let, let me just reprioritize my day. Um, mm-hmm. And Kat, at the end of the day, I've got this amazing group of people behind me um, that mm. they see that I'm, you know, getting a little bit overwhelmed, and they'll run in with a cup of tea, and that makes the <laughs> makes the world a difference. And that's just kindness again. I know Matt has had a really busy couple of weeks at ReadyVet, and I say to him when he gets home so that I know what size what size dinner 
portion that I should be looking at. I say, did you eat lunch? And he'll say, no, but Kate ran in with a cupcake at four o'clock and, you know, said sustenance. And it's just such a nice thing for somebody to think for him and or, or they'll run next door and grab him a coffee. And it is really important. And I like that you said prioritizing with your lists as well because I used to be able to get by just with um, writing lists and that would help me if I felt overwhelmed and I would sometimes sneak a couple of things that I'd already done onto my list so that I could have some things already ticked off um, just to be like oh I'm progressing but um, lately I find myself busier than ever and I I had something slip off the list or not get done in time. So now I'm putting, or or I just felt paralyzed by the list. So now I'm actually putting numbers next to the list. Otherwise I find I jump around and try and do them all at once. So now I just look at number one and I do it. And I look at number two and the same thing as you, I say, I'm not going to get all of these done. What are the things that absolutely can't wait? And I think if we take that back into the the veterinary practice, one of the nurses I currently work with, she said to me, look, Sue, you know, when it gets really busy I just you know I can sometimes feel myself getting really tense so we'll just spend Mm. some time just like okay so let's let's think about how you can prioritize what's happening right in the moment and how you Mm. manage your own um, you know um, emotions and and what you're feeling and some of that sort of anxiety that might start to pop off like Mm. I can't get this done so okay Mm. let's look at what you can get done right here right now what's the priority and how can you best support yourself and the veterinarians and the patient how do we do it absolutely and joe again mentioned going out the back and having a few deep breaths and she learned that from rosie at the last conference as well when she felt overwhelmed but in my practice too the feedback that i've had um, which has been great so again it's this communication is that um, when all of the jobs couldn't be done in a day some of our nurses didn't know which jobs we would want done matt and i they didn't want us to be saying oh the whiteboard list of cleaning jobs didn't get done for the month Mm. um so maybe they were letting the callback slip or the medical notes slip whereas we actually would want it the other way around so it is important i think for the leaders to say um to a busy team okay if things are really crazy this week the things that we need done and again it's prioritizing that list but making sure that everyone in the team is aware of that like we definitely need x y and z done every day and then if you've got more time this is the priority so that's important too and then that person won't be so overwhelmed because they won't feel like that they will be a disappointment or that they've failed absolutely cat couldn't agree more well said now sue what is the main area of our industry that needs attention or improvement i think Two points here. Um, number one, um, I heard Joe talk about this in her previous podcast. So um, recognition of veterinary nurses, the, the public and professional recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do believe um, that whilst it needs improvement, that we need to give ourselves some credit for the fact that it has greatly advanced over the last 10 years and you know, mm. really making some good roads now, um, as you know, with the Professional Advancement Committee with the VNCA. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, we just need to make sure that as nurses, we earn that right um, and that we keep leveraging the vet's time and clinically support them with respect, as mm. we've just covered. Um, but mm. as nurses, we need to believe in ourselves and get on the front foot. So this voluntary re- registration will be a really big step towards mm. making sure that, yes, we get recognised by the public and professional, but we recognise ourselves. So that's what I think needs improvement, Cat. that we recognise ourselves, that we add value. Um, yes. this, and then that leads to my second point, which is 
keeping edu- keep on educating the vets on our value. Um, I really mm-hmm. believe that um, yes, we just need to keep chipping away at the at the block cat. Um, but again, my experience is that we largely get really good positive support from. Um, all of the people like the AVA and the EVA and the ASAV and all those people really do understand what we're trying to do and are right behind us. So um, mm. I think we just need to to keep on the fact that we are a part of, you know, and believing that we are a part of the um, animal healthcare team. We are one, mm. one team with the vets um, and mm. we just need to uphold that um, mantra, Kat, as you and I. Um, have mentioned throughout this podcast that respect keep it up it's actually so so much better for the whole team once you do get that foundation of respect and I also think for the second point you mentioned of educating vets as to the value of the nurses if we can get that respect and if we can educate the vets about about how this all works and it can help the vets get off what I've heard Dave Nichol Dr Dave Nichol refer to as the hamster wheel so for some vets you know they're just every day hitting the ground running and we don't have time to teach the nurses how to do this but maybe if you block out an afternoon and you don't book consults for the last couple of hours of the day even though you're going to lose money you can sit down with your whole team and get an external um, training provider in or you know, do the training yourself yeah. and sit down with all of your nurses and say, this is how you apply um, this bandage or yes. this is how you put a catheter in or this is how you take yes. bloods. This is how you run bloods and this is how you do a urinalysis. And then before you know it, um, you have this value add to your team and you're off the hamster wheel because you're not doing those things. You're you're able to trust your nurses to do those things for yes. you. But um, of course, a vet's not going to do that unless they're getting that respect you know, in their direction as well. They won't feel compelled to do that. So I just think it's one of those mutual sort of trust exercises. Um, And I also think that going back to voluntary registration, this will help with all of this because I know for myself as a practice owner, there is confusion about, well, legally, what can nurses do in Australia? Because I think the legislation is um, silent really as to what we can do. There'll generally be a statement as to um, this is an act of veterinary science that only vets can do. And then we just have to think, well, therefore everything else vet nurses can do. But it's not always clear. Yes, Kat, and I, I, absolutely. And I think over the next uh, 12 months 12 to 24 months uh, there'll be a lot of focus in this area where we do get some clarity on what nurses can and can't do within each of the state legislations and the federal legislation um, and yet there will be a lot more clarity that that comes through so um, yeah I think we're all really looking forward to it Kat. Absolutely and are you still involved with the VNCA now, yes, so? I am. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm on the Queensland Committee um, and mm-hmm. I'm, an, I'm also on the uh, Professional Advancement Committee as well. So um, a- oh, absolutely. Uh, I know every year I, th- I say the reason I want to keep staying working with this great group of, group of people is number one is because you've got to put your money where your mouth is, don't you? Um, if you say that it needs mm. some improvement, uh, you've got to throw your weight behind or I feel I have to put my weight mm-hmm. behind um, the profession at large. Um, and secondly, I'm really passionate about it because I think it's got such great... Um, yeah, 
great initiatives that are going to add value um, to us as veterinary nurses for many years to come. So, you know, again, a plug for the VNCA, you know, please put your hand up and offer where you can help. Um, yep. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I've i recently become involved with the VNCA. Yes, I heard. As you know, so I saw that. Yes. I've joined the editorial mm. committee, which I did after I saw uh, – I've been a member of the VNCA for years and I saw a little um, – a little ad in the ABNJ saying if you have something that you'd like to submit for publication email it here and I did and that's when I first was in contact with Joe who rang me saying we'd like to publish it but we just need a few changes this is the feedback um, and then she I saw her for, for I guess the amazing person she is because I was saying oh I don't know how to do that and maybe I shouldn't publish this because I don't know how to find that information that you're after and maybe what I'm putting forward for how how neonate resuscitation should happen. Maybe I should just stay in my lane and mm-hmm. stop making um, these suggestions because I don't know how to back it up. And she really put on her um, nurse trainer hat and said to me, okay, well, maybe you should look here and do this and start with that. And she was really generous with her time and she really guided me through it. And I felt so proud when I had the article published. And after that, I thought, I really want to be part of this committee um, and join the committee myself. And now I can see how much time and effort goes on behind the scenes in all of these committees. And I think if you're not a member of the VNCA, you should really look into it, particularly because if we have voluntary registration launched in April next year, it will be arguably the most exciting thing for our profession to date in Australia. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's um, going to take us to a new level and it's going to uh, support in everything we've just discussed today, Kat, is making sure that Mm. professionalism is, is, you know, we're on the front foot with our professionalism. So absolutely. And I'm just looking at your other qualifications here. And you mentioned that you've got a master's in neurolinguistic programming. You've got a Bachelor in business as well and diploma in company directorship. Can you tell me a little bit about neurolinguistic programming? Yeah, I can. Um, what it is, it, it's literally, as it says, it's neuro link. So how we actually wire our brains, our linguistics mm-hmm. on actually how we deliver and programming, you know, how we actually um, undertake our delivery with um, our communications. Um, I did it way back about 10 years ago now, Kat, and it actually helped me understand how I support um, communicate with myself so that's an, mm. an, it really has helped me with my you know managing um, my own you know mental well-being um, and mm. it has really supported me in being able to communicate at all different levels of the people I deal with um, and given me lots of different um, techniques for supporting people to be the best they can be and making sure that we have a really strong um, communication technique and I do it with ethics and with rapport so I strongly recommend it I, I really has enhanced my career greatly it sounds really interesting and something that um, if, if anybody's looking to if they've got the cert for in vet nursing already or they you know they're looking for for further education opportunities of which there are just so many um, but that sounds to me like a really interesting um, program it is it's very good now, Sue, just to wrap it up, uh, firstly, I want to thank you for joining me on the show, but I also want to thank you for your support of Radio Vet Nurse. It means the world um, that, that you're behind this show and, and what it means to vet nurses. So thank you very much for that. You're most welcome. And Kat, I um, just even just listening to what your comments are, and I, I think the veterinary profession will um, gain a lot from just listening to you 
to you speak as well you've got so many good ideas especially with your with your background and mm. working closely with um ready vet as well so mm. um yeah thank you and and uh, what a great initiative thank you I, I i certainly don't feel that i know a lot about anything but i think i am I'm in a, a rare position of being a vet nurse and being um, a practice owner so i can sort of see and being married to a vet so i can sort mm. of see a few different angles which i hope um that i can bring these these angles into the forefront of of dialogue and have chats about it with lots of people um, and provide um, mentors for other people to listen to like yourself which is why I'm so pleased to have you on the show and if you could reach out and thank one of your own mentors that's helped you in your career who would it be and what would you say Sue? Um, I've, I think I've, I heard Joe um, struggle with this question a little bit because there's so many to thank. I've had so mm. many influences in my life, um, mm. and I just for for all of them, you know, they the 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 beauty of it was that they held me accountable. They believed in me. They guided me. They enabled me to listen, look, and learn. Um, they enabled me to um, be really proud of of what I do as a veterinary nurse and give me give back the value and a professionalism back to the profession. Mm-hmm. The first person that gave me a really big break cap was a guy called um, Dr. Bojrab um, from America. And I worked with him um, as a surgical technician in Missouri for a year. Um, and when I first went to America to work, he I was very young, um, I was 20, um, I was a bit of a larrikin, um, <laughs> and he smoothed my rough, rough edges off, so to speak, and uh, <laughs> he taught me about professionalism and respect, and that's probably the, the, the ethics and the ethos mm. I have um, carried through my profession. Mm. Um, he's unfortunately passed away now, but he... Mm. Um, he was a surgical, a, sur- a surgeon, small animal, soft tissue, soft tissue surgeon, and mm-hmm. really gave me such a big break in my in my profession. So, um, mm-hmm. along with lots of other people, you know, as, mm. as you know, like veterinarians I've worked with and continue to work with today. So, um, I hope that answers your question, Kat. It does, and I'm really relieved that he smoothed out the edges that you speak <laughs> of, but allowed you to retain the larrikin. And I have no doubt that that's why you have felt so at home to to call Australia, um, you know, your your home, because we we are the land of the larrikin. So <laughs> you are welcome, Kat. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. You too, Sue. And I shall see you at the VNCA conference in April next year. Yes, and we will continue to listen to these podcasts. And um, as again, what a great initiative, Kat. Well, well done. Thanks, Sue. Take care. Thanks for listening to Radio Vet Nurse, the podcast. To help us make more free episodes, subscribe and leave a review. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Radio Vet Nurse or drop in at radiovetnurse.com.